really disappointed in Cleveland to not get that win. Also disappointed in shut up, NFL. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Last week you gave me all kinds of crap about saying positive things about Cleveland. <laughs> so don't tell me you're disappointed in Cleveland. You can eat it. I don't care. <laughs> Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McCray. And hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Yak Sports. I'm Joe Deck. Leland McRae is with me. And Leland, we're going to do something different this week. We're just going to jump right into our interview, and I'm going to kick it over to you to introduce our guest. Yeah, we're going to bring Jeff right in right now because everybody's talking about the big UVA win. And you know what? We do enough UVA bashing on this podcast. We might as well bring in somebody that knows what they're talking about, a true UVA fan, a true UVA employee, and uh, have Jeff right on. Jeff, thanks for joining us on our podcast. Uh, not a problem. I am privileged to finally be on and give the <laughs> UVA side of things. <laughs> we'll give you a voice. We'll, we'll give you a chance, but we do control <laughs> editing, so we'll cut you off when we need to. So. <laughs> I, I understand. So the news of the week UVA's big win over Miami. You were in the stadium. We'll get into why you were in the stadium uh, in a few minutes. But talk about the game and, uh, you know, tout all that is great of UVA football. Well, uh, really what was great on Saturday night for UVA was their defense. Uh, going into the game, uh, all you heard about was Miami's defense, you know, ranked one or two in the nation, uh, top in the ACC. But uh, Virginia's defense came in there, too, and was able to get three turnovers. Uh, returned the interceptions long distance to kind of flip the field. Uh, they did enough on offense uh, against that stout Miami defense to uh, continue drives going, getting first downs on on, on third down conversions when they needed it. Uh, it was just enough. Now, they, they didn't convert to me in touchdowns, but they brought in uh, Brian Delaney, who's been their kickoff man. They've been struggling on field goal kicking all season long. Brian Delaney comes in, kicks three field goals, uh, finished off the first half with a 46-yard field goal, which was the longest field goal over at UVA in the uh, Bronco Mendenhall uh, tenure for three years. Uh, so that was a big boost to the uh, Cavaliers going to the locker room. And their defense just just hung in there and, and gave Miami offense fits all night long. What does this win do to... I mean, maybe not just your projections, but, you know, everybody's projections for what UVA can do this season. Uh, well, it was still kind of up in the air if they were going to be able to get uh, bowl eligible this year. Uh, the win they had earlier against Louisville kind of helped matters. This really boosts uh, that opportunity because now they're four and two. They need two more wins. And taking a look at their schedule, their home schedule, uh, where they're at Duke this week, but then the following week they're home against North Carolina. That could be winnable. Then a home on a Friday night against Pitt. That's also could, uh, winnable. And then they, uh, the final game is November 10th when they host Liberty. That's winnable. So, you know, th- they should definitely get a bowl. And for Bronco Mendenhall to, you know, in his third year to try to get back into a bowl, get those extra practices, uh, is just going to be key to keep this uh, pr- uh, program going up like he has been. So I got to ask the question. I, I hear the, the reference is winnable towards a couple games in the future. I'll tell you my projection for the Tech UVA game after this past week has changed mainly because I've watched Virginia Tech. But what do you think about that Tech matchup come last game of the year? If they were playing this week, I would give Virginia a lot of big, uh, big, and maybe a chance to win that game. But there's still a lot of season to go. Uh, being playing down in Blacksburg, I mean Tech right now they're the head of the coastal. Uh, that could decide the coastal division, or you know, Tech might need to win that to to out you know do uh, you know Miami or someone else in the coastal. So it's going to be kind of difficult for Virginia to go down there down there in Blacksburg to win. But they got as good as the chances they've had in the past. I mean, last I mean, they- year, last year up in Charlottesville, you know, Virginia played you know, Tech tough. Their defense held Tech to just ten points. They just couldn't do anything offensively against that Tech defense. Now, Texas defense is young this year, and they've shown some vulnerability. Uh, Virginia's offense, they they can get going at times, too, but they've also struggled at times. So it really t- kind of depends on how, you know, who is peaking at the right time down there on uh, Black Friday when they play that game. Usually you guys play as pretty tough in Blacksburg. I mean, there's been a lot of times in the past 
14 years where, I mean, it seems like you guys are closer in score to us uh, in that Tech game in Blacksburg. So uh, that's kind of going into my line of thinking that I'm a lot more worried about that game than I was even a week ago. Yeah, because um, like I said, uh, Virginia's offense has shown some some big uh, moments during the year uh, with Bryce Perkins at quarterback. He's got he's that dual threat quarterback that gives a lot of teams problems. Uh, he what really was uh, good on Saturday night. He threw three interceptions, but just like in the first game against Richmond, when it, this first series he threw that pick six for a touchdown, it didn't rattle him. Uh, quarterbacks in the past, whenever they turn the ball over, Virginia seems you could just see just their momentum is just kind of you know they're afraid to make a play. Uh, that's not Bryce Perkins. He's come back out again and, and tries to make uh, makes the plays. Uh, Joe Ellis running the ball, uh, he he can break one loose at any time. Uh, that offensive line has been shifted around a little bit due to injuries, but they look pretty impressive Saturday night against uh, Miami. Even though the statistics doesn't doesn't look like it as far as the total yardage. But that's a stout Miami defense, as I mentioned earlier. And that offensive line uh, held its own against Miami. Now, so you're saying you like your quarterback. So you're not like a Joe Deck kind of fan where you just hate whatever quarterback y'all put in the game. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, he's, he, he won everybody over in that Louisville game where they hurdled that one uh, defender uh, going in for that long run. And then he did it again when he scored a touchdown. No, I, I, li- I like Bryce Perkins. He's uh He's a very mobile quarterback. It's, it's not like with Ben Kirk was back last year where he had the arm, but he just wasn't mobile. So any pressure the defensive line or the or if they blitzed him and could put on him, he, he wasn't going to move anywhere. He was back here like a sitting duck. Uh, Bryce Perkins, he he's not like that. He can scramble around. Uh, even if he doesn't make a big play, he can avoid a sack and throw the ball away and avoid getting a, you know, a 10, 15-yard loss on a sack. Okay, Leland, I'm going to jump in after that uh, latest attack. Um, <laughs> and, uh, Jeff, uh, let me ask you about something interesting Miami did. So they started Perry in the game, and very early he threw two picks, and they pulled him. Uh, I know the guys on uh, on TV, on ESPN2, were talking about it, thinking maybe it was a little early to pull the quarterback. I know Miami had struggled there early, but UVA's offense hadn't done anything to that point. What did you think in the stadium when they made that decision to pull Perry and bring Rozier in? I, I was kind of shocked at that, too. I thought if they were going to pull him and play B uh, to start the second half, but when they made the change right then, it, it, was, it shocked me. But later on, um, listen to the postgame interviews, uh, Miami's head coach Mark Rick uh, just said he they wanted to put uh, Rozier in at that time because they he felt that at that moment they had a better chance to win it with him. So, uh, they, they got troubles down there at Miami. Uh, they don't know who their quarterback is going to be. Mm. And, uh, that, that's not, that's not a good sign midway through the season. No, I would agree with you there. And, um, yeah, so I, I tend to agree with you on UVA's outlook from the rest of the year. And that I think that game in Blacksburg will be a good game. Uh, but, yeah. uh, you know, I, I want to ask your opinion. Leland and I are going to get into this a little more when we start talking about Virginia tech, but, when I look at the Coastal after this week, I just see two really bad teams there at the bottom and then five average to good teams, and they're all kind of clumped together. What has your assessment of the Coastal been so far? I, I agree with you. It's it's it's, it's going to be a toss-up. You're just going to put five teams' names in a hat and draw one, and that's going to be the uh, – the uh, target for Clemson, the ACC championship. It's it, it's going to be up in the air. I mean, I've, I've heard a little bit, you know, Virginia is starting talking about, you know, they have a shot at the Coastal, which they do. I mean, they only have one loss. But uh, realistically looking, you know, on my end of it, uh, I'm just wanting them just to win enough games to get into a bowl. And then <laughs> if they can get more wins and get into a better bowl, that's just extra icing on the cake. But, uh, yeah, this Coastal uh, division in the ACC this year, it's it's – you you could have play about a three or four way tie. I don't know what the tiebreaker is going to come down to. To like I said, whoever's going to be the uh, lucky one have to play Clemson in the ACC championship game. But uh, anybody between Miami and Virginia Tech, uh, uh, Duke, uh, any one of those teams, and you got to throw Virginia in there as well. Uh, just the way things going to you know, work out here in the next five to six weeks uh, is going to be one of those teams that's going to come out on top of the Coastal Division. It's going to be wild and be fun to watch as well. 
That's I think my favorite tweet I saw coming after that game was someone or after I think Sunday morning, someone had tweeted the way for the entire division to finish tied at like four and four. And like, I mean, that just honestly just shows you how early in the season it is. Everybody starts, you know, right in the season, which we do weekly uh, here on the Yak Sports podcast. But it's just funny. It's so early that like everybody could finish tied. Technically, it's not going to happen that way. But yeah, it's up. It's up in the air for everybody. Everybody has their path to the championship. But I thought it was. I thought it was interesting. Exactly. You said the winner of the Coastal gets Clemson. I'm not so sure. That's going to be one heck of a game in Raleigh this week. I, I'm not as sold that Clemson's going to walk away with that thing. Uh, where's that game being played at? Raleigh? Raleigh. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think North Carolina State, I think they were off this week. Uh, checking on us, they've added extra week to get ready for Clemson. Yeah, they were off this week. They played Boston College two weeks ago. Um I, I think North Carolina State will play play them close for first half, but I just think Clemson's just got, got too much talent and stuff, and I, I see them winning by at least uh, two touchdowns. Wow, okay. That's bold. That's a Joe Deck spread right there. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeff. Uh, what kind of role do you have at UVA football and you know the UVA program as a whole? Well, I do the internal uh, public address announcing. Now, that's not the announcing you hear going outside of the stadium. I sit up in the press box area up with the uh, uh, stats crew up there, and I announce over the intercom to the media up there, to the uh, newspapers, and I don't think it goes too much into the radio and television booth, mainly to the newspaper people that are covering uh, uh, just the stats. I announce, you know, one, after each play, who ran the ball, who made the tackles, I get all this information from the stats crew. We're all watching it, so I kind of get an idea, too. But once everything's done, I announce that. Uh, I do other things, too, like after a team scores, I announce the uh, scoring drive summary, how many plays, how much time it took off the clock, uh, recap the scoring play. Uh, also, uh, doing uh, breaks in the game, I'll get on my phone and I'll take a look at uh, updated scores from the Atlantic Coast Conference or the top 25, and I'll let the press know what's going on with that. Most of them play already do anyway because they're on their phones as well doing the breaks. Uh, I work with the uh, sports information directors closely with the ones at Virginia, but also with the visiting teams. Uh, if someone breaks a record or it does something that is worth noting, uh, they'll pass me a note and I'll announce that to the press so they have an idea, you know, later on and, you know, in the post game if they want to address who, whoever that player was. So this is my fourth year of doing it. I, I really enjoy it. Uh, it's fun doing it, but it, it's work too. It's like you're just constantly up there just working, and then next thing you know, oh, the game's over with. What did I miss? You kind of have to go back. Yeah. And I record the game sometimes, just kind of go back and see what all I missed, you know, while we were busy up there working. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, that's a different perspective up there in the press box, it sounds like. And my next question to you is, what's, what's your history on radio and sports media production uh, before UVA? Well, I started really back in, I think back in 2001, as a matter of fact, or maybe it was two, 2000. I started doing uh, high school football for uh, WTON. That sounds uh, familiar. At, How about that? At that time, <laughs> the time, they were doing uh, Robert E. Lee High School. Well, I guess I can still call it Robert E. Lee High School now, can I? That, that's for another podcast, another discussion. <laughs> that's for a different but, uh, podcast than ours, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, I did the play-by-play for them that year, and then I convinced them down to the station the following year because uh, that year, Riverheads won a state championship. Uh, Fort Defiance was a real good team. All the other county schools were real good. So I kind of convinced them to do the Augusta County game of the week. We picked the games to go to. We made sure we covered everybody. So I did that for uh, for several years. Also did some basketball games. And then uh, uh, my work schedule changed a little bit. So I had to kind of give that up some. But then I got back into broadcasting back in um, back to, back, back 2008, I think it was. Uh, another radio station, uh, 95.5, a new owner came in there, and they wanted to uh, cover a team. And, you know, the new owner was down there, and he kept asking, well, what team is there good to cover? And people kept telling about Riverheads. Well, he got a hold of uh, they, the general manager, and then got a hold of me and Mike Wilkerson. And for about six, seven years, uh, we were the play-by-play for Riverheads football. I uh, covered a couple of their state championships. Really enjoyed doing that. Uh, what was really uh, satisfying to me was listening to the parents that come up and says, you know, you know, 
you know, my son's grandparents can't make it to the game. It's, it's, too, it's too cold, but they listen to y'all on the radio, so they know what's going on, and they really enjoy that. And, and that would make me feel good uh, when we were doing that. But uh, then after about six, seven years, uh, 95.5 decided to go elsewhere and cover other games. So at that time, I uh, just quit doing that and been helping with the uh, stats crew there at uh, Riverheads High School. And there on Friday nights, help them keep up with the uh, stats. So I know, I mean, you and I are the Riverheads guys here. Uh, they got some tough games ahead of them. That, you know, there was a, a strain of games here. The Rays already passed. Now they have Lehigh and Central Woodstock. You know, you see these this team every year. How do you think this year's team stacks up with past year's teams? Uh, about the same. I mean, nothing really changed <laughs> with, with, with this team. I mean, they know coming in from starting in JVs, they know what system they're going to run offensively, def- defensively. They know what's expected of them. Uh, running the ball, I mean – they still have a slew of running backs on the varsity, on the junior varsity coming up that, you know, when uh, the current uh, running backs, the Devin Morris and and all them, when they uh, graduate, you know, someone else is going to come up and, and step in. But you're right. They are going to have a, a couple of tough games coming up. Uh, the Lehigh game, uh, you know, they're looking out for revenge last year. They went up to Lehigh and Lehigh was just just focused on on beating Riverheads and came up with a great uh, game plan. Uh, and knocked off Riverheads there at uh, Gypsy Hill Park. Uh, I think it might be a little bit different this year. Lehigh is kind of struggling at times. They're they kind of like Jekyll and Hyde. You don't know which team is <laughs> going to show up. So if the good Lehigh team comes up, I still think Riverheads will win, but it's going to be a great ball game. If the uh, other lead team comes up, uh, Riverheads shouldn't have any problem. And then the week after, uh, they'll have a big non-district game against Central Woodstock. And Central uh, – beat them last year up at Central, and uh, the same thing. They had a perfect game plan to uh, beat Riverheads. They stopped them pretty much you know, cold uh, offensively. That defensive line just shut down the Riverheads running game. Uh, that's going to be another tough battle because Central's got pretty much everybody come back, but Riverheads will be at home in that game. I expect a big crowd. Uh, just be a great atmosphere for high school football, and that's what I'm really looking forward to. Well, Jeff, we appreciate you coming on with us. We appreciate you being a, a great listener for us. I know every time we see each other, you you uh, mention how you've listened, and then uh, you prove it by uh, making fun of Joe, and I always appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I was, so, I was uh, thinking Friday night when I was kept sending them those texts about the Riverheads update. Joe's going to get upset with all, all that score, but that's, that's how, how the game was going at the time. Yeah, <laughs> live. Leland, Leland was sure to show me that, yeah. <laughs> Well, Jeff, we really do appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to having you again on sometime. All right, not a problem. I enjoy, enjoy y'all's podcast, even though y'all do lean a little bit more against, uh, for Virginia Tech, but uh, I really enjoy it. Y'all do a great job, and uh, anytime y'all need me, I'll be glad to come back on. Oh, Sounds thank good. You. Thank you, Jeff. All right, not a problem. And ladies and gentlemen, we are back here on Yak Sports Podcast. Let's jump into the B Block, which we're going to talk about high school football. Leland, big game in the Shenandoah District actually was a really good game that we weren't expecting. East Rock had to hold on and survive against Buffalo Gap by seven points uh, in a game where Buffalo Gap really played well, uh, a lot better than I thought they were capable of. This is a very different team than showed up last week for Buffalo Gap. Yeah, I think this this game really showed what Gap could do, and I think this is the Gap team that I was kind of expecting to see all season, and I don't think we've seen that in all the games. They did well against Lee, and that was a big win for them in a game that was kind of similar, a, lot, a higher scoring, back and forth um, kind of action, and I was really impressed with what they were able to do. Now, I will say I thought East Rock, made some questionable play calling and you know when you have a running back that got it seemed like they underused him and he still had 200 yards it kind of makes me question why they didn't just use him more and we talked about that live on air on Friday but just talking about it over the weekend with people it seemed like East Rock played around a little bit but then they found themselves in a, in a game you know late late in the third they're like oh goodness we gotta go um that pick when they threw the ball on second down late in that game. That was crazy to me. And really their one 
stupid penalty from Buffalo Gap or roughing the passer call from probably losing that ball game. So it, it was a it was an impressive night for Buffalo Gap to show that they can hang with the big boys if they're going to be allowed to stay in there. And it's just going to give them confidence in the playoffs. Yeah, my only question would be defensively for Buffalo Gap. But like you said, uh, East Rock, very interesting play calling. I thought they were borderline arrogant uh, with the play calling. And it almost cost them a, a game against Buffalo Gap. But they did escape. The other big game in the Shenandoah district was what we have decided or what we predict to determine a playoff spot in 2B between Wilson and Page. Wilson comes out on top winning that game by eight points in a very good game. Page is a good team. They're just not quite good enough, it looks like, this season to get back into the playoffs. Yeah, and it's a shame because they do have some underclassmen, but they're going to lose some very important pieces next year. So it's going to be hard to just transfer this forward. But Winning these games, being in these games, is only going to help your program know what it's like to be in those games. So they're not going to be shocked next time they're in a big ball game against a Wilson or a Buffalo Gap like they were two weeks ago. So those younger guys will learn from that, but they're just going to have to have the talent come through. I think that's what's really been missing these past few years for Paige because they've been a 3-1, three-win team with some pieces, but it just didn't seem like they could put it all together. They'd never get you know, three straight plays in a row that were good. And now they're kind of getting that and they're right there on the cusp. So I, I like that Paige is winning some games. Now they're going to go to the bull run and and I'll pay attention to them less, but I'm happy for them that they're at least having some success, even though it's not adding up to wins. I'm glad that they're, they're adding to their confidence going into the bull run district and uh, what that will be. Yeah. Fort, uh, First disappointment of the year, I'd say, for Fort Defiance, yeah. dropping a game to Broadway, 28-13, and a game that, you know, without us being there, seemed uncharacteristic of the Fort defense to give up 28 points. And now the schedule gets really tough with Harrisonburg this week and Spotswood to close out in two of their final three games. Yeah, two of these three are really tough, uh, and then the other ones looks kind of easy. Um, it was the past defense that failed them, and remember how great they were against Rockbridge and Ruley and they stopped the run. Actually, the run game was better for Rockbridge. Rockbridge just underused it. So Fort was forced to stop the passing game more. So I was surprised to see that, um, you know, Broadway has a lot of weapons up there and, you know, we don't hear as much about Broadway down here, but they're a young team with a young quarterback and young receivers that I think we're going to start knowing a lot more about Broadway as I think they're going to be really relevant in the Valley district the next couple of years. And uh, because I think, they're going to improve on these one and two win seasons they've been having. Um, it's a shame Fort. I, I agree. I think this was the first time we've been disappointed in Fort. Sure, they lost the Rockbridge game, but it was almost like they could have won it. And that was when we were still kind of surprised with what Fort's doing. But that's the problem with expectations. As soon as you start expecting to win, then it frames the whole conversation differently. And, uh, you know, maybe if they lost that game closer, we wouldn't look at it this way. I, I, I don't think. I think there's a way for them to lose that game and us not be disappointed in them. But I think 28-13, I think it is disappointing. You know, if it's a 13-12 ball game or something like that, you may maybe, you know, hey, your defense played great. But when your defense, which was your strong point all season, kind of lets them get up to 30 points or 28 or whatever they got, that I think it frames it differently. So, yeah, they're going to have to make up for themselves. And I mean, does this mean they lose a playoff spot? I mean, they're going to be down around the eighth spot. The good thing about that, a lot of teams down there will also lose games down the stretch, just like Fort likely will. And I think they hang on, my personally. I think they still get in the playoffs, and there was no way for them to lose this game and me think it not disappointing. Broadway's not a very good football team. Yeah, I think, I mean, Broadway plays TA, I think, still. Cool. Be interested to see I how don't that game. I think TA is very good either. Yeah, I just thought, I think probably going into the season, I thought T.A. might be the best of that bunch. So when Fort beat T.A., I said, well, Fort's clearly better than them, and I thought T.A. was better than Broadway. But Fort's already beat T.A., but then they lose to Broadway. So I'm still interested to see how that plays out. I think we're talking about a bunch of teams there that aren't making the playoffs when Fort Defiance is. Um, The problem, the, the rough part for Fort is their only win that we would assume left is Waynesboro, a winless team. Yeah, you're going to get your uh, 16 or 18 points from PowerPoints, but it's it's going to be tough for them to really hold on to a spot with these three games. Sure. No, I agree. Uh, the other high school game we'll talk about 
is Riverheads beating a team in Larray that at the risk of being embarrassed by Larray making another region championship run, I'll go ahead and say a team that I just don't think is actually living up to the billing this year. They started out like a house of fire at five and zero, and I just don't think Larray is going to be that good. I, I think they are a middle of the road region two B team and watching them get dominated in the second half by Ari Lee and then responding to that adversity by going out and just getting straight trounced by <laughs> Riverheads, who is good, but if you're a good team, you're not going to have that happen to you. Seven you're going to be in the game. Yeah, Larray just wasn't in that game at all. No. And, and now I think Larray is probably a, an okay team, and that's how I would describe them. It'll be interesting to see where they fall to in the final standings once everything's through. They still have, I think they have Paige this week, which is their big rivalry. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in that game. Let's see where their mind is coming after these two losses where they really haven't played well. Let's see how they do against their rival, a Paige team that we keep saying is very tough. I mean, maybe this is the win we keep looking for Paige to get. It, it could be there, but... I think Loray, you know, probably doesn't deserve to host a, a playoff game. Maybe some of their earlier wins will leave them in that area where it's still a chance going into that final week. But they play East Rock in that final game, and I think that'll knock them down to a, a five or six or solidify a six at that time, which probably means Buffalo Gap is still sitting ahead of them, even though Loray beat Gap. And that's what's fun about PowerPoints. <laughs> yeah. I don't have anything else to say about that. PowerPoints right now. Other let's than, talk about let's look ahead look at, at high that. school football. Yeah, ne- next week uh, Wilson's got draft. Uh, last year draft won that game forty two nothing. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I, I think it could swing. Uh, I, I don't think draft gets uh, uh, shut out forty two nothing. Yeah, but I think Wilson could win decidedly. And I think it just depends on what draft team shows up. Is it the draft team that's going to just play you tough, play you like gap, or is it the team that gets beat by fifty? Um, I could see this being like a 20 to nothing, 20 to seven ball game. Yeah. We talked about Fort Harrisonburg already. Riverheads has Ari Lee at home in a revenge game for the gladiators last year. Ari Lee kind of controlled that game from start to finish. And what was a kind of shockwave around the Shenandoah district last year. Now Riverheads hungry for revenge and they are looking at that game and they've got to feel pretty good because Ari Lee, I know they came off a win against Larray and they had a bye week to prepare for this like they did last year but I I don't know I I still look at that game I know Ari Lee has the intangibles of a dual threat option like they did last year I I just can't look at this game though and say I think Ari Lee's gonna win if I if I'm being logical about it yeah I I can't come up with a way based on what I've seen how they do that because I know Riverhead's I've too many times gone into these big games where Riverheads, even if it's close in the first half, they play four quarters of football. They they don't. Yeah, and we haven't seen Ari Lee do that. We haven't. We haven't. And so it's just hard to imagine imagine that. But hey, whatever they did defensively last year against Riverheads worked. I'm sure they're going to use some similar ways about it. Are they going to be able to execute the way they did last year? And that's what that game's going to come down to. I think, I think Riverheads wins either way. I think it's just deciding if it's going to be close or not. What do you think is going to happen? Give me a Friday preview. I could see Riverheads running away with this thing. Yeah, if they cut, I, I think it's all about that first quarter. I think if Riverheads really comes out strong, that that could really. And I will say, Lee doesn't quit. I mean, against Larray, Larray came out and played hard, and Lee didn't quit. And they came and they played a heck of a second half, and that was a thing we saw from the Lee team from last year. That's what we saw them do against Rockbridge. Rockbridge came out and played them tough, and Lee still uh, played them very tough. They played tough throughout that entire gap game. So I'm, I'm not saying Lee just rolls over. I'm just saying if if you spot Riverheads any kind of points, I don't think they're going to make them up. So I kind of lean towards a, a couple scores separating these teams, not, not being a one-possession game. Yeah, the good news for everybody at home is when I think we're about to watch a blowout, it's always one of the best games <laughs> that we've yeah, ever so- seen. So shut up. Stop saying that. <laughs> it's going to be a blowout. It's gonna, I don't even know where we're going. <laughs> Let's jump up to college a little bit. And uh, We talked about UVA. Yeah, we don't need to talk about that anymore. We let Jeff say what he wants to say. And we'll just, out of respect, we'll wait till next podcast to trash UVA. So let's move on. Oh, they have, uh, they have Duke on Saturday. Who wins that game, Joe? 
You put Duke, Duke down. Yeah, you, but you put Duke down every time you talk about him. You put him down. Yeah, I agree, but I don't though. think they're good. But I don't think anyone in the Coastal is good. Yeah, I think Duke wins. Uh, I still liked what their quarterback could do, even though Virginia Tech beat him. I still liked what he could do. Um, I think UVA might be flying a little high, but again, we'll wait till next week to trash UVA like normal. Virginia Tech, uh, they got the W, and that's about where my positives will end. I have a couple little points that I'll wait for your negative uh, overflow of information Go here, ahead. and then I'll come back with a couple positives. But it was a W, but man, it was rough to watch. This team <laughs> underachieves more than any Virginia Tech team I think I've ever seen. Uh, I just, and I'm, I'm being a little hyperbolic there because the team that lost to Maryland and you Wake Forest. Being hyperbolic? My the team goodness. that lost to Maryland and Wake Forest obviously <laughs> was more of a letdown. But uh, Leland, let me, let me start off by saying at the end of the game, that clip, I guess it wasn't, the game wasn't final at that point, <laughs> but the clip of Justin Fuente and Bud Foster hugging each other and falling down was almost made me sick. And the only thing that prevented me from getting sick was remembering I didn't actually get sick when Frank Beamer ran on the field, hands raised <laughs> after a 0-0 fourth quarter <laughs> score against Wake Forest, in which we would eventually lose. That was the only thing that didn't make it that sad, but it was pretty sad. I don't respect North Carolina in the least, and for us to need a 98-yard drive to win the game. Oh, which oh. by the way, we fumbled, we forced a fumble at the one yard line because our defense couldn't cover a tight end to save their life. And for the life of me, I don't know why every team we don't play just doesn't tell the tight end to go on a go route and we'll throw it to you. Cause you're going to be wide open. I, I don't get it. This defense isn't good. They're young. I, I'm willing to give Bud Foster a little, a little bit of leeway there because they're young, but they have zero pass rush which you and I have talked about multiple times, and we're not going to go into it again this week. But zero pass rush. Offensively, this team just, outside of the opening drive, looked miserable until the end of the game when they had a 98-yard drive, and I don't understand that. Ryan Willis was okay this game. I'm not going to pretend like the other games haven't happened for him. He's still, I'm still going to give him the benefit of the doubt here. But let me say this. What is the point of even having Josh Jackson around the program. Just look at Josh Jackson just, and say, look, I'm sorry you broke your just leg. Just cut him right now. Yeah, Showed I'm sorry you like, broke your out. leg, but guess what? <laughs> You're not good. Ryan Willis has played teams better than you played, and he's putting up better numbers. I think, I think that's a ridiculous statement to say. I think you do have to say you're making fun of the fact that we needed a 98-yard touchdown drive to win the game. Well, at least we got it. At least we no, did it. No, I and totally now, didn't think that was capable. I agree. I, I thought we were doomed. I agree. I, there's not too much I disagree with you there until you said Josh Jackson should just get out. Um, What's the point but, of having him? <laughs> he's not the. He is not even the fourth best quarterback on your team. Allow him to get his education that he came to Virginia Tech for. No, I don't know. So anyway, he's the not there for an education. Drive. He's there to play football. Allow him to transfer. We still did it. If he wants to, he can. If we still did the 98-yard touchdown drive, and that was still successful. And I think that's, that's the reasoning for all the excitement at the end of the game. The quarterback was very happy with himself. How many times has he done that at the college level? Never. How many times has Virginia Tech done that? Bud Foster has a bad wheel. That's why they went down on the ground. He, he, he wasn't going to be able to take the – I mean, Fuente brings some heat when they would go to hug. So they hit the ground. I knew you were going to make fun of that, and it is probably <laughs> worth making fun of. Think Frank Beamer with his hands up at zero zero is still worse, uh, but it makes it does make you worry that we're still in that stage uh, <laughs> that we are uh, that far away still. And I think we are. I think that's I think that's where we are. Again, I'm going to remind all our listeners: I am not the one that predicted a perfect season because we beat Florida State. I still thought we'd have two or three losses on the season. Yeah, we I still didn't. Josh have- Jackson was worse than I thought. My goodness. And you went off about him. I don't like him. But I thought he was one of those guys who was good enough to not lose you games. And I was wrong. Someone, one of your enemies, and I guess it's not me yet, uh, is going to email Josh Jackson, our podcast, or his mom, this podcast. That's cool. And they're going to come hunt you down. They're going to go to Robert Morris and try to find you, is is what I'm uh, estimating will happen, because that's apparently in your front yard. Yeah, Robert Morris plays games in my backyard. Yep. (laughs) JMU. Right of the ship a bit. Nova is a decent team. 
Um, and they shut him out, and that's back to form for JMU. So oh, I wasn't ready to go. I wasn't ready to leave before we get to JMU, and we'll oh, we'll on. give him theirs. Leland, your leading rusher is Ryan Willis with 88 yards. They were running. He was running the ball. A lot. Is, it really looked like. What uh, it, is the deal with this team? It looked like our offense that we were running uh, with the uh, quarterback that didn't come back, and I'm, his name's just dropped out of my mind right now. Um, Evans. Is this, it really looked like that Evans offense. Is, is this really team a like. top 25? Ooh, no. I, I, it did. Gerard Evans is better than it, it this. It just reminded me of it. Yeah, Gerard Evans is better than this, though. Um, is cool. this team a top 25 team? No. Okay. Now we can move on. Okay. JMU won. That's about all I wanted to say is that they righted the ship, and we're still going to assume they're going to win every game. We just can't write it in stone the way you wanted to a couple weeks ago because if Elon can beat you, and then Elon, Elon just can go, got beat. Yeah, they can just go get beat the next week. Someone else could pick JMU off. I think it might be a wake-up call for them. Like I said last week, I think eventually you look back at that game and say, hey, they got better after that. Yeah, JMU's going to win the CAA. I'm not worried about it. JMU uh, has a bye. So does Virginia Tech. So uh, I'll get back to that point here in a minute. Uh, But uh, homecoming coming up in two weeks for JMU against Stony Brook. Um, So, yeah, it's a big win. Uh, let's talk about NCAA as a whole. There was a lot of upsets, a whole lot of upsets. Yeah, some good Four football. of the top eight lose. Uh, LSU beat Georgia. I watched most of that game. Uh, LSU was impressive, but that shows you how tough the SEC can be of, you know, a team that's ranked, uh, 10 points behind or whatever it is, uh, 11 points behind, uh, that can rise to that level and really beat a top team. And I, th- I still think Georgia's good. It's just now they're gonna have to play their way back in. I agree. I I still think Georgia wins the SEC East. I still think they get to play Alabama in the SEC championship. So they'll have a chance to get back in the playoffs. LSU, I don't think is good enough to beat Alabama, but they'll probably give Alabama a game. Uh, LSU, to me, this told me a lot about the Tigers and the kind of program Ed Orgeron has because he had a soul-crushing loss to Florida. And it would have been easy for LSU after that loss to Florida to totally nosedive playing a top team like Georgia. But they answered, they rang the bell and came out fighting and got a 20-point victory in which they dominated that game. So very impressive win for LSU to get them back into high goals. I think they're number eight in the latest poll now. So good win for them. Um, Big 12, congratulations, you have no playoff team because West Virginia just got housed by Iowa State. Yeah, that was our hope. Never hurts my feelings when West Virginia loses. Oregon beat Washington uh, up there. So that takes Washington in out overtime. of the playoff mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in and overtime. overtime and a great game. So uh, Oregon now goes to Washington State, and that's where game day is. So they'll kind of be the center of the universe this week. So stupid. And it is because the Pac-12 is so uh, irrelevant this year. Like no one is coming out of the Pac-12 to the playoff. So I'm I'm so kind of surprised they're shining the light on. But maybe this is a hey, here's your shine of light, and now we're out of here for the rest of the season. Uh, I'm sorry. Is the ACC Atlantic not up for grabs this week between two teams that I think the winner of this game has a shot at a playoff? I will say. I think there is some kind of for game day and that's just game day. They make decisions not based on what the best game is every single week. A lot of times they do, but there is some kind of connection because like this is the week that the Washington state flag started its tour that like they've come to every single game day, every single week. I think there's some tie with that. Hey, you're rolling your eyes. This kind of logic is the same reason they come to Harrisonburg twice. It's the same reason they've gone to North Dakota twice. I think you go there once and then you're done. Well, they're going up there. In terms of JMU, North Dakota, that stuff. I And I'm a JMU guy. I went to JMU. I know it's hard to believe sometimes the way I talk on this podcast. But I, I just think they're, it's, it's a cool. TV show, Joe. It's cool when you do it once. It's not cool when you do it every year. But they're going up there, and they're going to celebrate Washington State that has a presence on game day every week. It's a TV show. I don't know why and, I care. I don't watch it anymore, so it's fine. You know, you're watching soccer. Let's right. – uh, Penn State lost, and I was surprised with that one. I, I didn't think Michigan State had it. I mean, it was a close game, but I, I thought Penn State had played pretty tough. I know they lost to Ohio State, but I, 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 thought, I thought Penn State, I, that was probably the game I was most surprised with. I think a lot of people started calling UVU to lose. You know, Georgia losing in LSU is not a surprise. I was the most surprised with Penn State. Yeah, 
I don't know, Leland. Um, I don't think anything surprises me anymore. We said this a few weeks ago. Alabama is number one, and everybody else is in a race for number two. Penn State just took themselves out of the running for number two. Ohio just, State has a good chance. And then I don't – I'm guessing you wouldn't have watched the Ohio State game against Minnesota because it wasn't really that good of a I, game. I, I did not. That is accurate. My brother and I were watching it, and it I don't think it's the reason Ohio State won the game. Don't get me wrong. But early in that game, and this is going to go to another thing I have, and go ahead and you know get your tinfoil hats out and join me, uh, entertain me for a little bit. But there was a play in that game. Early in the game, Minnesota has a 7-0 lead, and they stop Ohio State at midfield on a fourth down. They stop them a whole yard short. BHSL spotting allows the official to pick the ball up, move it a yard ahead to the sticks, and they don't review it. You think that early in that ball game, the officials need think they, they needed to fix the game so Ohio State would win it? They didn't think they, they could just win it on their own? They didn't even review it. They didn't yeah. review it because it was Ohio State. If that was Minnesota, that thing gets reviewed in a half second. I didn't see it, so I don't know. But, yeah, I don't think it's fixed is my uh, answer there. The Big Ten's looking around going, man, wouldn't it suck if Ohio State lost and then we had no playoff team? Soft week ahead in college football. Clemson-NC State highlights the schedule easily. That's a 3:30 game. And with Tech being off, JMU being off, Steelers are off too. I'm going to probably watch zero football this weekend. The football you watch me watch on Friday at Riverhead's probably all I got. I'm going to be like pumpkin patch picking Halloween costume making. That's that's what my life is ahead of me. That's what's dominate at my life this week. 8 o'clock? You could watch NC State Clemson. <laughs> that's going to be a good game. It's not at 8 o'clock. I think it's at 3.30. It's, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure it's 3.30. We'll know by the end of the podcast, and so everybody listening doesn't miss it. We'll update you in the last block there. Uh, NFL, not a whole lot to talk about. Steelers won. Skins won. Ravens won. So it was good for our local teams. Um the big game, Patriots and Chiefs, lived up to the bill. And Patriots got out early, but then the second half was incredible. And I really liked uh, – I think I was hearing some stuff on some other podcasts talking about Brady kind of passing the baton to Mahomes. And I, it kind of felt that way from everything I saw. It just kind of seemed like Mahomes is kind of on a good track. He's starting hot. I mean, that's one thing. I, you just can't put all your stock into him. But it's it's kind of nice to think that Tom Brady might stop playing football at some point. That, that was my main point here. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't watch the game. I watched one game this week. It you was were watching Ohio State Minnesota on Saturday. That was your football time. You gave up to not watch that game. Yeah, I had to get other stuff done on Sunday because of it. Um, <laughs> I watched the Ravens game. Watched the eleven sack parade that we had on the Tennessee yeah, Titans offense. Domination. The AFC South is bad. Whew, Jacksonville bad. gets housed by Dallas. Indianapolis, Houston, Tennessee. If you threw all four of those teams in a hat and picked one, it, that team, doesn't matter who you pick, that team's losing in the first round of the playoffs to whatever probably wild to card a, team. Probably to, to another terrible team, just like last year. On yeah, that Saturday, fair. Saturday, 4 o'clock playoff game, that's what they're going to be in, and they're going to lose it. Fair. Uh, this weekend, your boys have the Saints, but uh, everybody Ooh. in our area is going to be talking about Cowboys, Redskins, always the big rivalry, Yeah. always, always a watchable game. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm excited about that game. I wish oh, it wasn't on at the same time as the Ravens Saints game. Yeah, I'll be pulling for the skins like normal in that game because Cowboys are one of my least favorite teams. Okay. Baseball, not too much to talk about. Everybody's won in these uh, championship series. So, um, you know, everybody's had their chance. A, a team has won on the road. The visiting team has won on the road. Uh, I'm one ahead in our predictions because you had the Braves still playing, but I was uh, correct into still having the Dodgers. The Brewers but, should be up 2 0. They left a reliever in, which is very uncharacteristic of the Brewers. Jeffress had no business coming out in that last inning that he pitched, where the Dodgers ended up taking the lead late. Had no business coming out. He had used his last bullet the inning before and gotten out of a jam. I was really surprised to see him come back out, but tough loss. I still think the Brewers are going to beat the Dodgers. Astros-Red Sox is a great series, Leland. And oh, yeah. I, I got news for you. If you're, not, if you're not watching it, you're missing out on some good baseball. Yeah, and I i mean, I know I picked the Red Sox to win that series, but seeing Verlander pitch so well the other night really didn't hurt my feelings at all. Big Verlander fan. Um, by next time we record a podcast, we will should know the World Series matchups, so we our, our predictions should be set by then uh, because we have total different World Series coming. So big week for our predictions. Let's do a quick 
preview of the NBA season. And I have a lot of notes here, but let's just focus on the big news items. LeBron to the Lakers. What's your general thought there? Cool. It makes the Lakers a playoff team, but it doesn't matter because there's only one team in the West that's going to win that conference, and their name's the Golden State Warriors. My reaction is not cool because I don't like the Lakers. I don't. And I have, I've always been a guy that's pulled for LeBron. Even when he went to Miami, I still pulled for him. When he came back, I still pulled for him. I'm done with that now. I'm not going to the Lakers with them. Uh, I'm I'm up for auction on an NBA team. 76ers are catching my most interest here. That's disgusting. Uh, but I'm just, I don't know. I've never, I haven't had a team since Michael Jordan played on the Bulls. So uh, I was just kind of following LeBron there for a little bit. Uh, Allen Iverson kind of took me in the middle there. Um, but uh, that's where I'm at. Uh, do you think, uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Um Let's just talk about the Wizards real quick. You follow them maybe a little closer, more directly than I do, um, just because I don't really focus on them. Uh, they add Dwight Howard. What does that do for their team? It makes them better. I, I think he's better than Gortat. I, do, I think it makes them maybe the fourth best team in the East, maybe. I, and again, okay. this is That's my a, overall yeah. theme. Yes, I do follow the NBA more closely than you maybe. Um, the wizards specifically. Probably, yeah. Yeah. yeah that, I, I watched the wizards in what I call the dead season, which is February, <laughs> which yeah, there's no football. There's no baseball. There's college yeah. basketballs going on, but it's not really the nitty gritty time. So, you know, if there's not a big college hoops game on, I might turn on the wizards or the caps Bad news, the Caps won a Stanley Cup, so they got my interest more than the Wizards right now, which is, a, which is and this is the, my main point with the NBA, and I've, I told you before we even came on, and I'm sure people uh, are having a really difficult time picking up on this. I don't watch a lot of NBA because I don't care because I already know who's going to win. The Golden yeah. State Warriors are going to win the NBA Finals. I don't even care who comes out of the East anymore. I used to know who was going to come out of the East, so I guess that's a storyline, who comes out of the East now. I Gun Maybe to your my wizards head. can do it. Maybe your wizards can. No, rise they to can't. The top. They're not better than the Sixers. <laughs> they're not better than the Celtics, and they're not better than the Raptors. I think the other team people around here talk about are the Hornets. I, you know, when I was a kid, that was a, a fun team to like. They were a tenth seed and didn't make the playoffs last year. They've gone to a smaller lineup with shooters, still led by Kimball Walker. Do they make the playoffs this year, Joe? No. Stays out. I think they make it. I think they slide in that eighth seed. I think some of those teams ahead of them, I was looking at finished in those six, seven spots last year. I think they fall out. I think the Wizards do play better, like you said. Uh, four seems high to me, but I like I like the prediction. But get Hornets in the eighth. Oh, I said All maybe right. fourth. Say that again? I said maybe fourth. Maybe fourth. Fourth is that's the fine. ceiling. No, that's fine. That, that I, I'm not going to argue semantics on, on what was said there. Uh, let's go to our predictions. Eastern Conference Finals, name two teams. Celtics, Sixers. I completely agree. Wizard, or, uh, <laughs> Wizards. Wizards aren't part of that. Western Conference Finals, name two teams. Rematch, Rockets, Warriors. Now, I just want you to take a journey with me here. How uh, bad was that Cleveland team last year? It really was so bad. bad that they had to disband it in the middle of the season and start over. Yeah, but they played in the East. Where did that team get to? Yeah, the Rockets are better than every other team in the East. I think LeBron goes to the Lakers, and I don't think this is the roster that we're going to see in in February and March. I think they're, they're going to shake it up at some point in the first half of the season. I think the Lakers find a way. I think LeBron does it. I just do. I wanted to predict something different. It's too easy to pick Rockets. I, I, I mean, you're probably right. That's fine. I'll take that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say LeBron does it one last time, gets his team further than they should get, and they get to the Western Conference Finals. I'll stop there. Yeah, if you're listening <laughs> at home, the NBA is not a league of surprises. It, it really isn't. It's been proven that fact for 30 years. Finals, name two teams. Warriors, I guess Sixers, because I said that would be my pick. I like that pick. I like that better than my pick, but I put Boston in against the Wizards. So, Warriors. Or against the, Wizards, the Warriors. I keep saying the Wizards. I got Wizards on the brain. Just be a Wizards um, fan. All right. So, champion. Who wins it? Warriors in four. I'm taking Boston in seven, just to be different. That's my theme of my NBA picks, because okay. who cares if I'm wrong? Well, but 
I'll chalk that one up to Joe. Joe is evened. No matter what <laughs> happens in baseball, Joe will win the NBA <laughs> and feel at worst he's even. <laughs> That's fine. Let's get out of here. We'll be back with some fun in our final segment. Welcome back to the D block. Don't do the math on that. It's kind of like home alone there because we only have three blocks. But what is dom- dominating your life, Joe? Uh, a few weeks ago now, I'm just getting back up to it with all my other uh, streaming service and cable watching. The Man in the High Castle on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, season three just came out. I've started episode one. I haven't even finished episode one because I had to watch the season one and season two recap, which was about 30 minutes long. And at the end, like at the end of us, like, wait a minute, how much time did I just lose? Like <laughs> recapping season one and season two. But it was good to remind myself because it had been a while since I'd seen it because it's been a couple years since season two ended. Uh, they they kind of took a bit of a break there. But Man in the High Castle is a really good show. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, it is a show centered around what happens in an alternate reality if the United States lost World War II and the Axis powers had won. Uh, so Japan controls everything west of the Rockies, uh, and Germany controls everything east of the Rockies. The Rockies is basically a neutral zone, and it's about this resistance trying to overthrow. And then there's these films of our present day that have somehow gotten into their present day. And uh, so, wow, that's... it's it's yeah, it's I'm doing a poor job of explaining the details of the plot, but you really should check it out. It's a really good show. I've heard I've been recommended that before by one of our listeners. Hi, Rob. Um, but I've never caught up with it. Um, so uh, maybe one day. Uh, but it sounds cool. And that wrinkle with the videos from today getting over there sounds a little lost. Like it makes me a little more intrigued. That's my least favorite part of it, but yeah. Because <laughs> it's, so it's alluding to time travel and... Uh... <laughs> what I know, or no, what is dominating my life, a uh, show that I caught on this summer after being highly recommended by uh, my best friend, uh, The Prophet on CNBC with Marcus Lemonis. It's a great show. Um, you know, it's a reality show. Um, kind of reminds you of like bar rescue. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but the guy comes in and he invests in the business and, um, you know, tries to make the changes that'll make it successful. And there's just these common tropes. Every single episode, people can't manage people. People won't change. I mean, I, we were watching an episode this evening while we're eating dinner and it was like, um, it's just the way we we've never done it this way before. And that's like the number one thing you hear. And it's just like, I don't want my business to succeed is how I relate that. So it's a fun show to watch. And sometimes it doesn't work out. That's what I really like about it. It doesn't just go in and it be a big success every time or the people end up like, Oh, you were right. Sometimes it just ends terribly. Like one episode you're there for a half an hour. And the one guy comes in, he's like, yeah, well, my other job is FM radio DJ. And I've just play a, um, misogynist racist and that's just who i am on that rate and the guy's like well i can't do business with you and they're like okay and out and so the rest of the episode you're like catching up with an old business it was very cool i loved that it wasn't just an hour of success every time sometimes business fails so i really appreciate that show check it out on cnbc okay i'm not familiar with that show but i'm familiar with things of its ilk there you go all right i have a little change up here so i want to know from you Mm-hmm. what is your favorite month? And it doesn't have to be locked into a calendar month, but what's your favorite four weeks of the sports calendar? I saw this uh, this evening when I got off work and I was trying to think the first thing that popped in my head and I'm going to stay with it because I can't think of another one is March madness. It's uh, mine. Yeah. It's a great, great tournament. Uh, it's super exciting. I don't watch the college basketball regular season as much as I used to when I was younger, uh, but it, I still get excited for it. And look, all the UMBCs out there, thank you so much uh, because <laughs> you are what makes this tournament exciting. And that I will never forget that moment, Leland. And we shared it together. Uh, being yeah, quiet so we didn't room, yep. wake your kids who were trying to sleep. <laughs> At midnight, waking At my midnight, whole house. Yeah sitting there silently screaming at the TV. If you were in the room, a fly on the wall, you would have been like, these two guys are absolutely crazy. And yes, we were, but 
we had UMBC <laughs> fever, and the only prescription was more threes. <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, I agree. A lot of people say October is because you have football and college football and, and uh, Major League Baseball playoffs and the World Series and basketball gets going. And I get that. I think I think that's the only other acceptable good answer. But for me in my household, March into March rules all. You have the tournament, which you've already highlighted. You have baseball starting in those four weeks and you, and, and, and I like golf and I like the masters and that's the best tournament. So it's just a, a complete package where you have the start of the tournament, the continuance of the tournament, baseball, the masters and the national championship for college basketball. It's great. It's that's by far my favorite time. And plus it's spring. Everything is coming alive. It's just a great time. It's a great time of life. Yeah. I, I don't get into the <laughs> masters. Uh, I do love the beginning of baseball because it looks like for the next five to 10 years. That's going to be the only part of baseball I get to watch. That's going to be relevant. So yeah. for my team, but he's excited about baseball. Yeah. Yeah. So even Orioles fun. fans, that'll be fun. <laughs> but Leland, I want to go back to, and change it a little bit. Instead of what I know that you need to know, I'm just going to say it's a fun fact. And let me preface this by saying, I'm not saying anyone should be fired, but <laughs> Justin Fuente has zero wins against teams that have finished the year in the top 25 in three years if he doesn't do it this year, which, by the way, since Miami lost to UVA, he won't. Um, if they get if they win the Coastal and get in the ACC championship, they will get royally trounced in that game. So he won't have a win against a team that will finish the season in the top 25. And again, Leland, I'm not saying he should be fired, but I'm saying... If we are going to accept that this is okay, what are we doing? I'm accepting that I think he is the man for the job to take us in the right direction. I've seen little points of success, and I want more, and I want it to keep going in the positive direction, and I want better than what we've done. I'm not okay with what we're doing. I'm, I want better. But to your point, I was kind of prepared for this, and you you did preface it with I don't want anybody to get fired. Who who do you think comes in and does better? Look, right now, I don't know. So that's why I'm saying no one gets fired right now because like I don't think you fire someone. Name. I don't think you fire someone without having someone that you think can do better. Uh, but I I don't know. I guess I expect more from Virginia Tech. I expected more from Fuente in year three than this. I thought we would be getting better, and I feel like we're plateauing. I feel like he hasn't brought in a quarterback that is worth their weight in anything. Uh, I, I just, man, I, I, I don't look. Willis is better than I thought. I'll be the first one to admit it, but he's not blowing me away. This was not a good game from him. Uh, and we'll have to see how the rest of the year plays out. I want to see what he does against Miami. I want to see what he does against. I, I can't believe I'm going to say this. UVA, I, that game is starting to look more and more like yeah. a coin toss every week I watch Virginia Tech play because I've been so unimpressed. And the TV announcer said this during the game. And oh I just looked goodness. at my Don't brother. Don't talk about that guy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Don't quote that guy. But I looked at my brother and I was like, well, someone should tell Justin Fuente because he looks totally lost. But when he said, you know, these, these upsets happen because all these coaches, I mean, tapes out on these teams now and these coaches are good coaches. I'm like, well, it looks like we don't get tape on other teams because we totally look unprepared for what the other team throws at us week in, week out. I, I you're just so much more down on Fuente than I am. I'm, I'm optimistic. I know I am optimistic. At I want him to be good. I, I guess I just still think that it can happen, and it, it feels like you don't think it can. I think it'd be interesting to see what Quincy does in this offseason. I'd like to see what we can do. I don't, I don't think the quarterback room should be set going into spring practice. I think it should be an open job just like it will be. Fuente's done that every year he's been here. It's a it's an open job until August 15th, it seems like, if not later. It'll be an open job, and I want to see what Quincy can do before we start saying that he hasn't brought in a quarterback that's very good. I think Quincy can be very good. He's just been young still, and he's still learning behind other guys. I don't think it should be anybody's job going into spring practice, and I, it won't be. That's not the way Fuente runs things. There are two scenarios in which I would fire Justin Fuente. One is hyperbolic. The other one is serious. Hyperbolic, if he loses to UVA, go on the field, fire him. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the hyperbolic one. I wouldn't actually do that. The real one, 
if after spring practice next year, he names Josh Jackson, the quarterback, you fire him because there <laughs> no. is no way that I would start Josh Jackson ever again in a Virginia tech uniform. We know Joe, we know <laughs> that's all I got to say to that. We know, we know you hate him. We just don't start chopping out letters out of a magazine and start mailing him things. Cause <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have that kind of time. I, I don't stoop to that kind of level. But I'm just saying, like, what angers me is, like, when he sits there and goes, you know, oh, these guys, you know, these are my, these are the guys that focus and practice and do it the right way. Like, that's cool. Mother Teresa did life the right way. I don't want Mother Teresa being quarterback (laughs) at Virginia Tech. (laughs) Sure, that's, that's on a level playing field here. Um, (laughs) I want, I want guys that are doing it the right way. You, I don't know why you're on this, this thing about, like, anti uh, authority from the football coach like fight the power win the games i want guys that want to be there and behaving yourself means you want to be there next week we have some fun stuff planned because not a whole lot of our local teams playing we'll we'll sure to be break down the lee uh riverheads game Uh, i think our guest is going to break down the riverhead central game Two big weeks for Riverheads here. Um, but we're also going to talk about college football midseason point. So a lot to listen to next week, even though uh, it's kind of a soft schedule. So make sure you tune into the Exports podcast. Interact with us online. Hey, Jeff Wright interacts with us online and, and makes fun of us and sends me texts. Feel free to interact with us and tell, tell us why I'm wrong. Tell us why Joe's right. I keep asking people to tell me why Joe's wrong. How about you tell me why Joe's right? Because I'm not convinced. And uh, we'll talk about it next week. Joe, uh, looking forward to this week. I think some big games here to close out the season, the playoffs coming. I'm looking forward to Friday, but uh, another good podcast. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.